So this is part two to the podcast entitled Love 2024. This is part two. And this is about the word love and all that it means. And uh, so you listen to the first part. But ultimately, if you look at what scripture says about love, like God is love and Jesus wants us to be one with him, God the Father. Like that's what he prayed to God for. He prayed to God the Father before he departed from the world, before he died. He prayed for himself to be glorified and to have the position that he had before the world began with God. And then he prayed for his disciples, all his followers, that God would protect them because he was going to be leaving them, and he wanted God to protect them, not to take them out of the world, but to protect them, because, of course, they had a job to do to, to basically do God's will. Like, Jesus came here to destroy the work of the devil and to bring God's children into eternity, to make it possible for God's children to be in eternity. And so that's what, you know, that's the greatest love of all, that someone would lay their life down for someone else. And that's what Jesus did for all of us. So God is love. Jesus did this while we were still all rejecting, you know, like in the past and in the future, even after his death, we came into this world like us today. You know, Jesus died on the cross way before, way long ago for us. And here we are still sinning, still breaking away from God. Um, Nothing has changed. It's, you know, we're just like our ancestors. But Jesus died on the cross for all of us so that we can be in God's kingdom. And so it doesn't just happen, though. Um, Like salvation isn't guaranteed for the entire world. In fact, it's told very clearly in scripture that not everybody is going to be saved. So, if you want to be, everybody's going to be immortal at some point, but there's the people who rejected God are going to get what they've asked for, and they are going to live in perpetual torment. And I have, as I've said before in podcasts, I looked into scripture because I thought, is it just like a short while, like they just die or get killed? No, Jesus destroys death. Death doesn't happen anymore by what he did on the cross. It says in scripture that when we die physically, that we are asleep, that we are going to rise again and become immortal beings. That goes for the people who are for God and against against God. But the ones who are against God are not going to be in God's kingdom. They're not going to um, partake or participate or be a part of what God and Jesus have been building over all these thousands of years, what they have been building for Jesus's brothers and sisters and God's additional children, all of us. So that's all happening while we're here. Like there's, and just look at this world, like the natural, um, untouched part of the world and how beautiful it is. Think about the oceans, the mountains, the the trees, all of creation, the flowers, the skies, the sunsets, the sunrises, um, you know, streams and flowing brooks and rivers and whitewater rafting areas and all of those 
places up on the hilltops looking down at valleys and just pasture lands and mountains and all of the beautiful things of this world that, you know, these beautiful like oceans that are just like crystal clear that you can see the white sand below. I mean, all of that beauty, that was all God's creation, but it's all broken. Like God's saying there's something even better than that that's coming. And Jesus, when he came here, he came here to open up, to unblind, to, you know, uh, take away the blindness of people because we are deceived by the ruler of the earth right now. And that's what the Bible tells us is Satan. He has a certain level of authority. He still has to submit to Jesus, like Jesus still has authority over him, but he has some sort of reign, power, he's a prince or something of this world, of this earth right now, only until Jesus comes back. And um, that's what what we're in right now. Like he, Satan has power. I mean, does that surprise anyone if you just look at around 2024 and see what's been going on since 2020 and, you know, even longer than that. But has our world gotten crazy? Has things really changed? Does it feel like the same world that it was prior to that? Or does it feel really different to everybody? Are we seeing, you know, good called evil and evil called good? And does the Bible tell us that's going to happen in the days before Jesus's return? There are so many things that point to Jesus's soon return. And, um, you know, whether that's hundreds of years from now, or it's just a few years from now, remains to be seen. We'll know when it happens. Um, I personally think it's a lot closer and a lot sooner than hundreds of years. And I believe that I'm going to see it in my lifetime. And that's part of the reason why I'm doing these podcasts, because some people see it, but not everyone sees it. So um, I'm hoping that people will come across this podcast and maybe think about it, look into it themselves and um, find out. But the point is, there is, it's true. The Bible is true. There is a um, kingdom that will be coming and Jesus is going to return to this earth. And it's a good thing. It's nothing to be fearful about. It's, there is going to be stuff but only the only for the people who haven't accepted Jesus, only the people who haven't re-surrendered to God and turned away from sin, um, only those people. And it's not saying that if you turn away from sin, it's not saying that you're going to live perfect and you're never going to mis- have another mistake again. That's not what the Bible tells us. Um, the Bible acknowledges that people will, but it's just not per- continual sin, like not doing the same thing over and over again. When you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit starts doing it for you, starts changing us and making us more like Jesus. We're never going to be perfect until Jesus returns. And then we will be changed in an instant. And we will be with Jesus forever when that, when he returns. So, um, and even if we're, whether we're dead from a physical sense, or we're living on earth, when Jesus returns, we will be brought up to him. And we will remain with him forever. And we don't have to fear the second death, the judgment day of being eternally separated from God, we don't have to fear that. And Jesus also says, if we have the Holy Spirit, we will avoid the wrath. 
So we're not going to experience the wrath of God. Um, We will be protected from that. So it's really important for people, if you don't want to experience the wrath, if you want to be in God's kingdom, there is a little bit of preparation that you have to do. And Jesus teaches what that preparation is. And it's found in John chapter 3. So if you read one chapter out of the Bible, and only one chapter, I don't know if you'd comprehend it all if you've never read anything from the Bible, but that one chapter will give you the answers of how you can um, be protected from wrath, how you can be in God's kingdom, and what you need to do. Because, you know, when everybody says, um, Jesus, you know, Jesus did everything. There's nothing else that needs to be added to what Jesus has done. Jesus made it possible for us. But you have to think about that. If Think about that argument. Like if we had nothing more to do that just all we just had to say is, well, Jesus took care of it. I don't have to do anything. Wouldn't the whole world be saved if that were true? There is preparation. Jesus even told about that preparation in the parable of the um, the wedding party and the man who came in that wasn't properly dressed, that's that's a story about not being prepared, not being, you know, in Christ, not being prepared for the kingdom. And he got thrown out. Um, that guy got thrown out. He was invited, but he got thrown out because he didn't prepare. So there is preparation. There's also another parable that Jesus told, and that was about the parable of the 10 virgins. Half of them prepared, half of them didn't. And it was the oil in their lantern. The oil is symbolic of anointing. The anointing that we have as Christians is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus is going to get into that explanation in John chapter 3. And so that's what I'm going to continue on here is John chapter 3. And I'll read it and I'll maybe pause along the way and explain things that I've come to understand. So here it is. Chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So this is the first time that Jesus said about being born again. And I'll point it out. He says it three times. What I've also found in scripture is that when God wants us to know something, he repeats things three times. Very often in scripture, you'll see the same thing repeated three times. Okay, continuing on. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. So this is the second time that Jesus talked about this being born again. So he's, you know, he's saying very truly no one can enter. So first he said no one can see the kingdom. I just noticed this. And then he said no one can enter the kingdom. 
This is the second time. Now he goes on to say, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. That's the third time that Jesus was quoted saying this. He said, you must be born again. Then he goes on to say, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. So Jesus is telling him, you know, like all these different times that he's interacted with the Jewish people at that time, he was telling them things he saw in the presence of God the Father, like spiritual things that he saw and he was giving his own personal testimony, but the people did not believe him. They didn't accept his testimony. So then Jesus continues talking to Nicodemus. He says, I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? And then he said, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. So then Jesus is telling him, you know, like I've been there. I've been in heaven and no one else has ever done that. I'm telling you what I saw and I was there. Nobody else has been there, but you're not even believing me. And this is what he's saying to Nicodemus. Then he continues on, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Now, Jesus was referring to when um, Moses put the snake on a stick, and it was like everyone who looked at that snake became cured or something. But that was like, I don't, it was really bizarre. Like, I don't know why a snake was used, but um, anyway, that was uh, symbolic. The same thing, like Jesus, the son of man is going to be lifted up on a cross and that everyone who believes in him, they have eternal life in him. So it says like, who believes may have eternal life in him. So it's really important that we are in Christ, We need to be in Christ. And that has to do with the Spirit. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell Nicodemus. You have to have the Holy Spirit. That's the preparation. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So God only had one Son, and that one Son is Jesus. So going back to what he said, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light 
for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. Something just came to mind when I read that. This is the this is the part about like we know that Satan wants to destroy, Satan wants to separate people from God and think about this. Satan is really, I think, behind shame. Because God says that he will forgive, but Satan wants you to keep it buried, to keep it hidden because you don't want anybody to know that you did something bad. And so out of shame, you hide it. You don't want to confess it. You just hope that nobody else saw it. But then we don't think about like God knows everything. God sees everything. We're not hiding anything from God. And God's the only person that we need to please. Who cares what anybody else thinks? God's the only one that we have to worry about. Not worry about, but that we have to be concerned with, that we have to, you know, it's the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I mean, God can give life or take life. So if you want life, you need to be on God's team. There's basically two teams. There's Satan's team and there's God's team. And there's no in between. You're either one or the other. And don't think that you can be half and half. You can't. You're either on God's team or you're on Satan's team. And if you're not on, yeah, that's just by default. By default, we're all on, you know, influenced by Satan. We have to make the choice to be on God's team. And then God blesses us. He forgives us. Like he knows that all of us were influenced by Satan. We were all being destroyed. We were being deceived and manipulated. And we were under the power as soon as we let that sin into our life. And we let um, evil have its way with what we're doing. And then of course, it's enticing and it's alluring and all that kind of stuff. As soon as we get into that, we're just like, we don't even know it, but we're being manipulated and deceived by Satan. And the whole purpose of that is to keep us from God because sin separates us from God. And that's his goal. And and it's just like, once you realize that, once you like find out that even though I think like sin is fun, you know, before, like, I don't think so anymore, but before it's like sinful things, you know, or appealing. And at that point, it was kind of like, you know, you just, it's, it's like a really good plan, a really good plan. Like Satan is a master deceiver. So deceiving somebody and them not knowing about it. Anybody who is being deceived or manipulated doesn't even know that they're being deceived or manipulated. That's why they're in that way. But as soon as their eyes are open and they're like, gosh, I'm being used by this. I'm being manipulated. I'm being, you know, like these are not for my best interest. And Satan's not doing stuff for people's best interest. Satan is doing it just to destroy. He doesn't care about people. And he just wants to, peep, he wants to destroy people for God. He's, it's like he's, you know, he's, he's fighting against God. Um, he wants everybody to worship him. He wants people to think he's good. It says he falsely comes as an angel of light. So he's going to not make you think he's evil. And I mean, there's all, oh my gosh, there's so many different ways that I see people today who are completely blind to what's happening in their life because they don't have God's spirit, because they don't seek God, because they their eyes haven't been opened. And yeah, it's, it's, it's scary for other people that 
are blinded. I mean, I I was blinded too. And my eyes were only opened after I read the Bible. And so that's why I do these things because I didn't, I mean, I was completely ignorant to it. I didn't think about any of these things. And I don't know. I just, I guess it was something that inside me that, you know, I guess it was God calling, just, you know, saying, hey, you know, in some ways I think it was God knowing me that I'm kind of a last minute person to prepare for anything. And, um, and yeah, he knows me, he created me. And so this is how he called to me, like, wake up, girl. If you don't wake up now, you're going to be destroyed. And that's what happened in my life. So I'm going to go back to what Jesus was talking about. Um, so uh, let's see, where were we? I'll just read it again. Uh, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. Ah, that's how it came up was because Satan's going to keep, you know, like he wants you, you're going to keep your sins quiet, private, and you don't have to talk to anybody about your sins. Um, There's no one that you need to talk to. You need to go to God the Father, ask for forgiveness in the name of Jesus uh, for your sins, ask for forgiveness. That's repentance. And then have the intent that you don't want to do it again. Um, That's what repentance is. It's not saying, okay, I'm going to ask for forgiveness and tomorrow I'm going to do the same sin that I did. No, you have to say, I don't want that anymore, God, but I need your help so that I don't do that anymore. And God will help because God wants us as children, but we have to make that choice. We have to show God that we love him. We show God that we love him by obeying his commandments. So we have to be willing to obey his commandments. We have to submit ourselves to God. Let God be the ruler, the guide over our life. Let God tell us where we go next. Let God direct us. When we are open to that and we are willing to let God take on that role, uh, then, and he will, he will, he will help us. So, um, and, and even if we didn't want to, God could do it, but it God's giving us this free will. We don't have to choose him. And that's, you know, nobody can force somebody to love them. And God's not forcing us to love him. He's just saying, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. If you don't love me, you're not going to obey my commandments. And that's the way God is. He's, he's letting us decide. So going back to Jesus, what he said, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. So that's baptism, okay? Remember, Jesus said we had to be born again. More will be talked about that here. Now, John was also John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, 
that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. Okay, they're like out of the middle of nowhere. All of a sudden this bride and bridegroom comes up. You know, that's those are the believers and Jesus, the bridegroom. Jesus is the bridegroom. The bride are believers. So the friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine. It is now complete. So in a very symbolic way, John is saying, you know, I was preparing for this Messiah to come. I was preparing people for that. Again, we have to get prepared. So this is what John was doing. But he's saying, you know, I'm not taking the credit. I'm not the Messiah. He's the Messiah. And I'm just thrilled that he's here, that he's come. This is like he's the friend of the bridegroom and he hears his voice and he's like, wow, now I've got that joy. Now I'm complete. Like he's here. This is, this is what we need because Jesus brings the spirit. So John continues to say, he must become greater. I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. So John's just saying, you know, he's just a human being. Jesus is from above. Again, John says, the one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. So again, John's saying, Jesus was in heaven. He was in the heavenly realms and he's telling us what he's seen and heard, but nobody accepts it. Then he goes, John says, whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the spirit without limit. So again, Jesus, when earlier on, um, Jesus got baptized by John and there was an interaction between John and Jesus where John was saying, you know, I'm not even worthy to carry your sandals. And, um, but Jesus did this. And, and when that happened, when Jesus got baptized, it said that there were witnesses that saw some, the spirit like a dove come down and descend on Jesus. There's a Holy Spirit that happened at baptism and Jesus gives the spirit. And Jesus always said that it's not me speaking, but I only speak the words of the father, like the father and I are one, like we are so much in sync that what you're hearing from me is as good as God saying this directly to you, God the Father. And um, Jesus is one with the Father, and he speaks the words of God. Jesus gives the Spirit, you know, from, he said, Jesus even said, you know, I will ask the Father, get the Spirit, give you the Spirit. That's the way it happens. And so for the one whom God has sent, that's Jesus, speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son 
and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. That's the other point that we were talking about earlier. If we had the Holy Spirit, we received the Holy Spirit, we believe, first of all, we believe God's not going to give us the Spirit if our belief is not real, because it would be harmful. The Spirit's very powerful, and God is protective of the Spirit, and God knows our heart. He knows our intentions. He knows what we're going to do with it once He gives it to us. And so whoever has the Spirit has eternal life. And if you have the Spirit, you're not subject to God's wrath. But the ones who reject Jesus, they're not going to see life and they're going to have God's wrath on them. So to wrap all of it up, it's about love. Uh, God is love. God loves us. God gave us the way to be with him in eternity. Jesus answered, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So it's through Jesus. Everything funnels through Jesus. When we pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus, that's everything is asked through Jesus because Jesus is the one who sacrificed himself so that we could be in God's kingdom Jesus is our brother, or you know, and we are his brother, our sisters. And um, again, this is, we must be born again, a new creation, dropping our old way of life and living a new one. This is done by the baptism of repentance that John did to prepare people for the coming of Jesus. Then Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit from God. That's how we are born of the water, which is the baptism of repentance. And then we are born of the Spirit, which is receiving the Holy Spirit. And that means we are born again, a spiritual birth. We have to have a spiritual birth if we're going to see God's kingdom, if we're going to enter God's kingdom, if we are going to be in God's kingdom, we must be born again. Jesus said that. So what do we need to do to prepare? Get baptized, repentance, and receive the Holy Spirit as soon as possible. And then you're prepared. You have nothing to worry about. You don't have to worry about God's wrath. We might have trouble in this world, but we know what's coming. Jesus is coming.